Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey guys, Lisa Stanley here, your Rentienta. And today on What Goes On Around Here, he's back, Michael Avenatti. Back again. This time we're talking all about R. Kelly, because there is a lot cooking in Cook County. Uh, we'll find out how Michael finally brought him to justice. Hi, Michael. Hi, how are you? Thanks I'm, for having me. Oh, please. Thanks for taking uh, time. I know how busy you are. First, I would like to do this. I would like to remind people of a couple things about you. One... You graduated from George Washington University Law School. You graduated first in your class. You were so fabulous that the university established an award named after you for excellence in pretrial and trial advocacy, which is an annual award given to a graduate who demonstrates excellence. And, of course, while you were in college, you dabbled in the world of politics, working for a firm run by Rahm Emanuel, who eventually became chief of staff for Obama. And uh, lastly, you have a very fun side that I don't know if people know about. Uh, you loved race car driving, clearly, uh, why you drive your legal work in the fast lane. Everyone by now knows you represented Stormy Daniels in her lawsuit with the president. And first question, where do we stand with that? Well, uh, you know, as we saw Michael Cohen's testimony yesterday, it was a huge vindication uh, for Stormy Daniels and for me and what we've been saying since early March of last year. I mean, we were called liars. We were told that we were fabricating things that we didn't know what we were talking about. Michael Cohen stated that. Donald Trump stated that. Sarah Sanders stated that. And a bunch of their surrogates stated that. And yesterday was a huge day of vindication. No question. I'll say. Um, are you still actively pursuing depositions from Trump and Michael Cohen? Well, the cases are in very, there's various cases and they're in um, various stages right now. Uh, the judge has yet to make a key ruling in the NDA case relating to whether there's going to be discovery or not. And then the defamation ruling, which we would that we did not agree with, is up on appeal before the Ninth Circuit. So there's still a lot of work yet to be done. Okay, and before we get to R. Kelly, because I'm dying to talk to you about that, I just want to let everyone know something. Let me start it by saying this. There were ridiculous, bogus claims against you last November for domestic violence. You've been completely uh, exonerated. They were proven false, and the case dismissed on February 1st. And here's what bothers me, is when you were arrested for that erroneous charge, the media was all over it. Uh, but you get fully exonerated and no media attention. No one is talking about it, which is why I'm bringing it up and happy to say I had your back from the beginning and I believed you as I do with your new mission. Well, and it means a lot to me. Uh, and you really find out who your friends are when things like that happen. I am very pleased that uh, not one, not two, but three full thorough investigations uh, exonerated me, one by the LAPD, one by the district attorney's office, and one by the city attorney's office 
Um, all exonerated me. No charges were ever brought. Uh, and I'm thankful to put that behind me. But I am a little upset. I'm more than a little upset that, of course, uh, the arrest gets all the attention in the world, but the exoneration doesn't get much. Yep, that was upsetting me as well, and I wasn't even involved in it, but I was really bothered by that, which is why I brought it up. Well, I appreciate you raising it, because I've been very bothered by it as well, uh, to have my reputation soiled uh, by something so ridiculous, uh, and then to be cleared in this environment, of all environments, uh, I think speaks a lot, ultimately, the clearance as to what really happened or did not happen. Well, we knew it was bogus when both your ex-wives came out and, and disputed all of that. So we, of course, knew that this was crazy stuff. And do you know who started all that? Well, we're in the process of getting to the, to the bottom of it. And I'm uh, precluded from getting into some of the details right now because of that investigation. But we're hopeful that we're going to get to the bottom of it. Okay, speaking of getting to the bottom of it, let's talk about it. R. Kelly, you are on a mission, a mission that was never completed back in 2008, 2009. Uh, at that time, he was taken R. Kelly to trial for 21 counts of child pornography, which stemmed also from a video that showed R. Kelly engaged in sexual acts with a girl reportedly 14. I know it's a different video than what you originally submitted. And that trial took two years to happen. Can you tell us about that and how, how you have said in the media that you feel people were paid off and that's why he walked? Well, there's a number of acts of obstruction of justice that went on in connection with that case. That case took six years to get to trial, ultimately. It was delayed time and time again. And the evidence that we've uncovered shows that R. Kelly... Uh, together with his enablers and handlers, paid off witnesses, paid people to destroy evidence, paid individuals to tamper with evidence, intimidate witnesses. I mean, they effectively rigged the outcome of that trial in 2008, which is how he was able to be acquitted. I am highly confident that this is not going to be a repeat of 2008 for a bunch of reasons. The evidence that we were able to uncover during our 10-month investigation, which started in April of last year, um, is insurmountable in my view. We've turned over already two videotapes. Uh, we are in the process of procuring, locating, uncovering. We've already uncovered it, We just have, and we've located it. We just haven't been able to put our fingers on it yet. A third videotape that we anticipate turning over to prosecutors shortly. Uh, we have other documentary evidence, witnesses and the like. The reign of sexual abuse by R. Kelly is going to come to an abrupt and permanent end after 28 years. Wow. Now, you're currently representing seven clients involved in this, right? Three alleged victims, two parents and two whistleblowers? That, that's correct. And two of the three victims are included within the indictment that was handed down last week. Now, do you think that race played into this, the reason this has been going on for 28 years, that if the girls were white women, this would never have gone this far? There's no question. I firmly believe that 100%. If these young victims were not predominantly black and were not from, in many cases, disadvantaged households or uh, lower socioeconomic means, then I think this would have ended I know it would have ended a long time ago. This predator, this sexual predator, R. Kelly, preyed on some of the most vulnerable girls in our society. 
And that's one of the reasons why he's been able to get away with it for nearly 30 years. Wow. And can you describe what's on those tapes? The conduct on those tapes is abhorrent. It's depraved. There is no question uh, that it is illegal sexual assault and abuse of an underage girl who is 14 years of age. Both R. Kelly and the girl make reference to her age repeatedly as only being 14. It is clear that it is not role play based on other things that occur on the tape that demonstrate her age. There is significant deviant conduct associated with the 14-year-old, including urination on her, uh, vaginal uh, and anal penetration, oral sex, uh, coaching, uh, choking. It, it, It is depravity that is beyond description, frankly, as is most of the other conduct that I have heard about in interviewing many of these uh, witnesses. I mean, this is a very, very bad guy that deserves to be locked up for the balance of his life. Wow. Now, let me ask you, I did hear somewhere that on one of these tapes, she refers to R. Kelly as daddy. On both of these tapes, R. Kelly is repeatedly referred to and only referred to as daddy. And that, of course, is Uh, Because, as many of your listeners know, according to many of his sexual assault victims, he insists that women that are around him only refer to him as daddy. Is there any way that his attorneys and he can go into a courtroom and say, of course we were role playing. Why would she be calling me daddy if we weren't? Well, they can attempt that, but it's it's going to fail. There's no question as to the strength of this evidence. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what's going to be different other than uh, people being paid off this time around? Did they not have this kind of evidence in the last trial? The, in the last trial, they did not have uh, evidence that was this clear, that was uh, this substantial. You're also going to have victims that are going to testify. Uh, there are four victims stated in the indictment. I represent two of them. The two victims that I represent also have turned over DNA evidence to the district attorney's office. They're both going to testify at the trial. This is, uh, there are no slam dunk cases, but this is an incredibly strong case. And I believe it's insurmountable for R. Kelly. So the other day I was watching, I don't know, something on TV and you were doing a press conference and I was just like sitting there cheering you on from my couch. I just want to play a little clip of how serious you are about getting this guy. I will not rest until each of you is brought to justice. We will uncover evidence relating to your participation in these crimes. Mr. Kelly did not do this alone. He did so with the assistance of all of these folks. And it was all, let's be clear, in the interest of money. Wow. So that's your message to all the R. Kelly enablers. How are we going to take them down? Well, we're going to take them down the same way that we're taking down R. Kelly, and that is through uh, pick and shovel work and doing what we have to do and continuing to investigate this and uncover the names of individuals, which uh, we've already started, started long ago, as well as their conduct in turning a blind eye to this outrageous sexual uh, abuse and assault of young girls. And that's exactly what happened here. This guy did not do this on his own. Uh, He is barely able to read. 
he was not capable of moving these girls around the United States, arranging their travel, covering up his conduct, et cetera, et cetera, on his own. He had a lot of help. A lot of people that looked the other way uh, brushed it off because it wasn't their daughter, uh, wasn't their niece, and they didn't want the R. Kelly money train to end. They didn't want the gravy train to end for them. And it's despicable. It's and disgusting. It's for anyone to For anyone to turn a blind eye to this in the interest of money is outrageous. It's disgusting. And I assume that you, you saying you will not rest until everybody's brought to justice is in part because you are a dad as well to two teenage girls. That's correct. I have three children. I have a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old. They're both uh, daughters. And then I have a four-year-old son. Uh, and if anyone did this uh, to my 14-year-old daughter, uh, I, I would probably be locked up shortly thereafter because I, I, would, I would absolutely lose my mind if somebody behaved in this way to my 14-year-old daughter. I mean, this is despicable, outrageous. And it's disgusting that it went on for as long as it did and involved as many women as it did. How did it come to you? We were contacted, like we are in so many other cases, uh, by a prospective client that reached out to me in April of last year uh, and was concerned about this conduct. A parent wanted us to look into it. We started looking into it, and as we began to investigate it, and speak with other people. Other clients contacted us, and uh, here we are with seven clients, and we may end up with a few more before it's over. Wow. All right, so by now everybody knows R. Kelly was arrested and could not make bail, so apparently all that money that he'd been flaunting around with moving these girls around and these big homes that they were staying in doesn't really exist. Yeah, he was ultimately able to post uh, bail, but it's uh, $100,000 cash of a million dollars bail, but it's unclear as to where the money came from. It took him a while to be able to post it, which seems to indicate that he does not have the means that he uh, at one time did. And uh, that's our understanding, that he does not have the financial means uh, that he used to. And I think that could be a challenge for him as this case moves forward. No kidding. And I had seen uh, this woman this morning on uh, social media claiming she's the one that gave him the money to bail him out. Yeah, I've seen that report as well. Uh, I, I haven't been able to confirm that, but that's my understanding. Yeah, no, the girl actually showed her face and came on and said, and she was taking a lot of hits on social media for doing that. I mean, why would she do that? Yeah, it's unclear what the extent of that relationship is or whether she's a front for someone else Ah. who may have posted the money. I think there's a a good chance that she may just be a front uh, and may have agreed to be a front for someone else. Okay, so R. Kelly, of course, is emphatically denying all of this, despite the fact that you have video proof. Uh, What could his defense possibly be? I don't know what his defense is going to be uh, is going to be in light of the mountain of evidence that we have, the DNA evidence, the multiple videotapes, which are clear. No question that it's him on the tape. Uh, no question as to the identity of the victim on the tape. Uh, no question that she was 14 at the time. I, I don't know how he can possibly overcome this. I mean, it's really, really true. So what happens next? How, how, do, how do you proceed next? Well, we're going to continue to do our investigation. We're cooperating with uh, investigators from multiple jurisdictions at this point because this is a multi-faceted investigation involving not just uh, Cook County, but uh, authorities in other jurisdictions as well. I anticipate further charges being brought uh, in other jurisdictions. I also think it's highly likely there'll be federal charges brought 
Uh, and again, I think that this conduct is rightfully going to be finally brought to an end. I'm just curious why they would let him out on bail. Isn't he? Doesn't he seem like a flight risk? The judge made a determination that he was not a flight risk. He had to turn over his passport. Big, uh, he's Big a deal. Yeah. Big deal. You could go he's on a, a private plane. He's a lifelong resident of, uh, of Cook County. And the judge made a determination uh, that he could be bailed out uh, under a million-dollar bail. So I anticipate, though, that as additional charges are brought, that that amount will be raised or there will be additional uh, bail amounts required Uh, I don't think he's going to be out for very long. That's what I'm hoping for. Well, there is a lot going on in uh, Cook County. Uh, Speaking of that, anything to say about Jesse Smollett? No, not at this time. I I think I'm going to reserve comment uh, depending on how things play out here in the coming weeks. Are you involved at all in, in that case? I'm not at liberty to answer that question. Ah, very good. Very good. Um, All right. So, we're, we're definitely going to see R. Kelly go away. That, that I figured out already after talking to you. But how is it going to be different this time? The outcome of the trial? Yeah, I mean, like, when they put him away, are they going to put him away for life, not just for a little bit? Well, I think the prison sentence across all of the jurisdictions will be substantial. I, I don't think he's ever going to get out. Uh, I think that he's going to have to serve a substantial amount of time in connection with the charges brought in Cook County. I also think that he's going to have to serve a substantial amount of time in the charges brought in the other jurisdictions. He's 52 years old. Uh, I would I would anticipate that the collective time will be far in excess of the balance of his life. And and what about the girls? What about these little girls? How old are they now? Are you able to tell us that? Well, in many cases, they're in their uh, 20s or early 30s, and uh, I mean, there's other girls that uh, are in their late teens. Uh, so they span a very long period of time because, of course, he began this conduct no later than 1991-92 uh, in the first instance. So you can do the math. In fact, that would put some of the older victims in their 40s at this point. Wow. And uh, so how are so this, they? This has been, you know, they're they're uh, in some cases they're doing pretty well. Uh, in other cases, they're not doing so well. I mean, you know, people react to this abuse in different ways, but this has been very traumatic uh, for all of them. Uh, and, and some of them are, uh, are not in good shape, and they've had to deal with this, and they will have to deal with this for the rest of their lives. Are they in therapy? Many of them are, yeah, yes. They probably should be for sure. Um, and so who, who's got the possession of these tapes now? Uh, Cook County prosecutors. And are there two or three tapes? We've turned over two, and we're in the process of recovering a third. And are they with three different 14-year-old girls, each tape? Uh, the two tapes that we have turned over involve the same girl. Ah, okay. But, but to, ma- to let everyone know, this is a different tape and a different 14-year-old uh, girl than was in the original trial back in 2008, correct? These are different tapes than were at issue in the 2008 trial, but they involve the same victim. What? Wow. That poor girl. And where? what about these parents? Have you talked to any of the parents that have allowed their children to be around him? Well, we, we represent um, two of the parents. And, you know, I, I get my back up when people go after these parents of these girls because I think that there is a 
there is a knee-jerk reaction to blame the parents and to immediately say, well, how could the parents do this? And how could they be so stupid? And how could they put their kids at risk? And they were pimping out their kids. And I've heard all of this, uh, all of these claims on social media and otherwise. And I don't agree with it because, and here's why, because people don't understand um, the circumstances surrounding what was told to these girls and their parents by the enablers of R. Kelly. Um, this is a very manipulative guy. There were a lot of people around him that manipulated these parents, uh, reassured them that everything was on the up and up, that nothing untoward was going on, that they could trust R. Kelly and the handlers, that the girls would never be alone with R. Kelly. And, uh, you know, perhaps... Some of these parents were gullible uh, and believed these folks when they should not have. Uh, but I get very defensive when people began attacking these parents. Now, in some cases, I'm sure there's instances, uh, instances of these parents not necessarily looking out for their kids to the degree that they should have. But from what I've seen, the vast majority of parents are not to blame for the sexual depravity of our killing. Let me ask you this then, um, switching to Michael Jackson for a second. Would you say the same thing about the parents that allowed their kids to go play with Michael Jackson at Neverland with, with what's coming out uh, this weekend on the HBO documentary? You know, I haven't had the benefit of viewing the documentary, and I, I have not delved into the facts and the circumstances around that. Um, but I would, you know, my, my guess is uh, much the same. Uh, I'm sure there's some parents that deserve uh, deserve to be called to the carpet on what they allowed. And I'm sure there's many, many others that uh, could be said to have not really not done anything wrong, except maybe been too trusting. Do you think that these 14-year-old girls with R. Kelly were brainwashed? Because it seems to me, I remember being 14, I was a little ferocious at 14, and I would never have stood for that. I think that what you're seeing here in many the in many of these cases is almost um, similar to a Stockholm syndrome type situation where you have somebody um, that is abducted uh, by an individual who then brainwashes them and manipulates them into a certain course of conduct. I mean, we've seen this time and time again where um, a young lady uh, or uh, a young boy is abducted by a predator. Uh, and two or three or four years later, uh, when authorities are finally able to liberate them, they're very protective of the predator and talk about how much they love the predator, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we see that time and time again. And I think that that's a very similar situation has taken hold with a lot of these young victims over the years. So are you worried about them testifying then that they may try to protect him at some point? I'm not worried about the victims identified in the indictment that we've been a part of uh, testifying uh, in a way to protect them. Uh, absolutely not. Okay, well, that's good to hear. Wow, this is unbelievable. Is this affect you? Do you go to sleep at night and just, I mean, you must got agita from all this. This has been an especially difficult case. There's no question about it. The testimony and the evidence uh, is very, very difficult to hear. Uh, but, you know, I think a lot of people are being very courageous and brave and coming forward. And it's very important that everyone does the right thing in this circumstance so that this conduct can be brought to an end. And when will we start seeing this trial? It's tough to say. I mean, it's certainly not going to be within this year. Uh, wow. It may be in the latter 
It may be in the latter part of next year just because of the backlog of cases in Chicago. But depending on what other jurisdictions do, they could charge him as well. And those trials uh, could occur before Cook County. It just all depends how, on how things work out. Are we worried that while he's free, and you're talking a long time now, if you're talking about next year, because we're only into March of this year, are we worried that he's going to do it again? Well, that's always a concern. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that the judge had to take into consideration when setting his um, bail. Do you think, uh, do you so, think the judge... You know, I think- do you think the judge was was favoriting him in a way? No, no, not at all. Not at all. I, he's under such a huge degree of scrutiny right now that I'm hopeful that that this conduct, that he's not going to be able to uh, engage in this conduct uh, while on bail. So Yeah, but, but he went straight to the same McDonald's right after he got out of jail where he was luring the young girls. Yeah, which was pretty outrageous, frankly, for him to return to that McDonald's where he had uh, trolled for these young girls for many years in the past. It was really something to nose um, at the system um, and the process. I mean, so that's why I worry that he doesn't really give a rat's ass about uh, somebody who's watching him closely because the first place he goes is right back where the girls are. It's just awful. The whole thing is just awful. And I wish they would have kept him locked up. Well, so do I, but we're going to get this guy one way or the other. Okay, well, as they say at USC, fight on, <laughs> because <Thank> I, th- <laughs> I think you've got a, a heck of a cheerleading squad, at least over here uh, you do. And I really appreciate you taking um, the time to talk to me about this and for everyone to really hear the truth, what's really going on, because there's so many rumors uh, on, on the social media. Is there any that you can think of that you'd like to dispel right now before we end our conversation? No, I think we've done a pretty good job along the way, and I appreciate the support of uh, so many people that have reached out to us, and uh, we're going to continue to do what we have to do. And where can they reach out further? Your website, social media, please give that out. Uh, they can reach out to me on uh, Twitter, uh, at Michael Avenatti, uh, and they can also reach out to through Avenatti, A-V-E-N-A-T-T-I dot com. Uh, well, I'm going to be glued to this story, as I'm sure most people will. And when you get back in town, we're going to go to Craig's and have a drink. All right. Excellent. Okay. I'm going to take you up on that. Okay. Thanks a lot, Michael. Thank you. All okay. the best. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law